1: Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. We are located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building. We are also in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building directly across from Winkie's we are now able to provide services to our clients in Bonita Springs my guest today is Ian Epson and he is um, a millennial expert and I have to say uh and you and I met probably a couple years ago at an event, and, uh, and then you were introduced at one of the board meetings at the Wisconsin Club to help us look at this whole generation yeah. and how we can adapt um, having a country club or other services to really um, – people of this generation interested. And I remember sitting there and listening to you and going, I got to meet this guy. (laughs) (laughs) He really knows all about this generation. And when we look at our business as an investment firm, of course, I see this generation as my generation, which is the baby boomers, and then my daughter's generation, Julie, who are in their thirties and forties, and then this next generation, which are the grandkids. Yep. And it's like, how do we how do we approach that that whole generation, and how can we look at them in terms of businesses and in terms of. Um, workforce I of course look at it in terms of passing generational money down and you just seem to really have not only insight into that entire generation but you were really working hard within our community to integrate and to um, help people understand how how they're working and, and what's going on so I'm just going to open up the mic to you and just Help us my listeners to um, to see what what you see because I think we see a word
0: right right <laughs> and it's and it's a bad word right so <laughs> millennial has almost turned into a swear word in, in many workplaces so um, I get it. And, and back to that meeting we had, I did actually get a, it's memorable for me as well. Cause I got a parking ticket right after that <laughs> meeting. So I'll always remember first meeting Karen Ellen Becker. <laughs> um, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. So uh, millennials, it's, uh, many definitions, but I like to go between 1980 and 2000 so, um, your oldest millennials right now in the top end of that are you know thirty six thirty eight um, and the youngest were born in two thousand so you've got eighteen to thirty eight so it's a massive generation um but we've already started looking at the generation coming up beyond them because they're already entering the workforce um, because they've got tech skills that can be put to work so focusing on our the generation that i'm I'm finding ourselves in that twenty year gap that's a massive um, massive gap, so to really define one age of people. But you've got uh, some people that are at the, at the top end of that with four kids um, in a house in Brookfield, and other people that are, you know, on Brady Street every night, living the downtown lifestyle. <laughs> so, millennial really—that word covers the gamut. And I do a lot of work working with corporations to try and get them to to understand the generation that you yourself has raised. Right, so you spend all this time bringing bringing us up, and suddenly we're out in the workforce, and you're like, "Wow, I don't even recognize that that generation that I've spent 18 years um, under our wings and bringing up." So, uh, the work we do is to try and help um, Milwaukee companies and and. Uh, regional companies understand the younger generation and what keeps them here and what keeps them motivated. Um, so it's it's extremely fulfilling. It's a lot of fun. Um, and everybody wants the same thing. It's just we're kind of sometimes speaking different languages. Um, so millennials, as I'm looking at a Script in front of me here, we read everything in bullet points <laughs> um, we 're you know gone with the uh, the way of the ballpoint pen and long form, and people need to see quick, hard stats and decisions to be made so um, the generations talk a little bit differently, but at the end of the day, uh, my passion is making Milwaukee better, and how do we make Milwaukee better so that this talent shortage that everyone has currently um, the next crop of young people making a decision whether they 're going to move to Minneapolis or, or Denver or Austin, these hot cities, how do we get Milwaukee on that list? And the young people not only that currently live here but might be growing up elsewhere are looking at Milwaukee not as a rust belt city but as a beautiful city with opportunity that they could see themselves growing a career in. Um, And there's a lot of ways to pitch that, obviously, cost of living, but I don't want to lead with, hey, we're cheaper than the next guy. (laughs) Um, Though that's amazing. We're currently in the middle of Milwaukee summers. We're right in the middle of Summerfest. So there is no more vibrant opportunity to spend time in a community than right now um, in the city of Milwaukee. But the beautiful thing about Milwaukee is right now I'm sitting down with the CEO of a, a large company having a conversation, uh, on a radio, that opportunity as a 34 year old, that doesn't happen in Chicago. So you have the opportunity to have a lot of access here in Milwaukee Mm -hmm. to the wisdom that the current generation of leaders currently has. So you concentrate a lot on, um, generational wealth and how can you educate the next generation to make sure they're making the same, um, smart financial decisions as their parents. I like to look at what is that generational wisdom? Mm-hmm. Um, that this current generation of CEOs, that, that silver tsunami that everybody's talking about, they're slowly going to be retiring. Well, how do we currently grab a hold of that as a younger generation and get access to those executives to understand that wisdom? And Milwaukee is one of those unique cities where you can actually sit down with CEOs and have conversations like this. Well,
1: you know, Ian, I kind of look at – i my mother is going to be 90, Oh. And I look at my aging and in what I will, my age will be in 20 years. And now I look at this younger generation, the millennial, and in 20 years, we really have a span of 18 years mm-hmm. in between there where this millennial group is going to be where my kids are, yep. my, my children are. And I'm going to be where my mother is, which is, you know, kind of scary in a way, but we think of it as so. Um, far removed and 18 years goes really fast mm-hmm. and so when I think of our first conversation and I'll never forget it because we happened to be, you were attending a board meeting, we happened to be late and you you walked in and um, you sat down and you said well you were late and, <laughs> and, uh, and they had me sit in the lobby uh, the front area and uh, there was no plug outlet and you had arms on the chair chairs so i couldn't work on my computer
0: and you said
1: and there was nobody here to talk to yep <laughs> and i and i know everybody was just sort of like yeah you know this is the country club but i got it i mean mm-hmm. i really got it that this generation and and we have to change our perspectives and we have to start thinking differently and I remember years ago when you talked about Apple and some of the other companies, and they talked about um, kids on skateboards down the hallways and working from home and mm-hmm. the whole idea of the creativeness yep. and uh, and being eager eager yep. to um, for the new and I think that that's very hard in my generation. I think you know the idea i mean you know we've years ago we did babies at work and we've got our dogs they have times they can bring the dogs I mean I think this is really big you know Yep, yep. (laughs) but it was when when we started this many years ago but it's hard often to know how to incorporate this new concepts and ideas into a business that's been going on for generations or years so I think that's a piece that's very difficult for people to understand Mm -hmm. but so necessary
0: right what and this happens with every generation. This isn't unique to millennials because the iGen after us is soon going to be the dirty word, right? So when, when you guys were coming up, your parents looked at you and said, wow, these kids are so lazy. We used to <laughs> get up at 5 a.m., et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, there's quotes going back to Socrates talking about how lazy his kids were going to be. So this is nothing new, um, the generational differences. What's unique here is just the technology, So millennials, where we find ourselves in an interesting spot, is we grew up with dial-up and then high speed and Facebook came around to age when I was in college. So from the time I could go to the bars, I had Facebook, which gives me a completely different leverage point and social advantage or disadvantage um, growing up than others have. But it makes us so technically connected. And that technology drives a gap between... Generations. I try and tell my – we bought our grandma – my grandma a burner phone. She's 96. And I'm trying to explain to her how easy it is to FaceTime me. Just look this up, touch this button, and my face will show up in front <laughs> of you. And she thinks it's so cool but then can't actually – get herself to turn on the phone, yes. and enter the password and actually do it. So that, that I still have to just call her on the landline. Yes. Um, so the technology gap is just driving a little bit more of a gap in between her generations, but it's nothing like what you're going to see with the next generation. So today's 50 year olds only have Facebook accounts because their kids have it and they want to monitor their children, but they're not using them to do business or interact. That's the LinkedIn generation. They're not on Instagram where the kids currently are. And kids are now starting to do business on not only Instagram and carve out crazy amounts of money. The next generational marketing wave is a lot of influencers in this marketing opportunity. Um, But these next generation of 15-year-olds right now, they use YouTube to figure out everything. These kids all have YouTube degrees, meaning they can figure (laughs) out anything in five minutes with a video. And they're able to... Just think of what you needed to do in in your 20s to explore a new hobby. They can do it with their thumbs and essentially become an expert in two days with YouTube videos. And that to me is just mind-boggling, but it also shows how trainable they are. They can grab new techniques, new experiences, and they all want to learn and consume. And they're willing to do that at a very, very quick rate. So as you're talking about how do you get the next generation involved in the businesses, in the family businesses – our, the millennials have so much wealth to provide, not financially at this point, but just learning and tech. And we're in that weird age where we were still mailing things and looking up things in the dictionary when we were younger, and then the internet came of age. But we, yes. provi- we possess both of those skills. So we're kind of the cartilage. As we grow up, we're going to be the cartilage between the the executive leadership and the next generation of leadership because we're going to have that understanding.
1: I guess I have one question in terms of the, and the, the generations that are so computer tech, how is that going to impact them from a personal point of view as relationships? I mean, relationships are so important. Mm -hmm. How, I mean, I, I go to, out to a restaurant and I see a family and they're all on their phones or um,
0: texting each other.
1: What is, how, yeah, what do you think that's going to change in terms of commerce and all of that?
0: Sure. So, I mean, Lori's got kids that are probably going through this at, at their age right now. I'll tell you what I see. The next generation is suffering from lack of soft skills. This is what we call networking, right? Mm-hmm. Just going to a bar, being able to have that conversation and develop relationships. You're a relationship person. I'm, the, the three of us in this room are all relationship people. That's how we met, and that's how why we clicked was like that's a cool human being, and I want to interact with them. The next generation will follow them on LinkedIn and maybe even or 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 Twitter, etc., and and see them in a room, and maybe not even have a conversation with them in person, but on their phone, and then follow up the next day. So cool chatting with you and seeing you there when all they did was that on on their thumbs. Mm-hmm. Now I've seen some of that. I've also seen we're also human, and we have a need to interact in person. So. Uh, those that want to hide behind the phone, they've got that option. But also I think the people that are going to separate themselves as they always do, because what I've learned about Milwaukee is the way to get things done here is relationships. There's a lot of red tape that can be cut because you know someone Mm -hmm. have their cell phone and can call them when, when the time is right. So I don't think the soft skills are going to go away. I think we just, as companies, need to now put a focus on training them. When you when you bring an employee in, you assess them and you say, "Here's where our skills are lacking." And a lot of them coming up, it it might be interpersonal skills that are off off of the phone. Um, so companies, you're going to see a lot of investment in socializing, mm-hmm. networking, bring them up to speed on maybe these skill sets that they uh, they didn't have. And let's not forget network, or I'm sorry, um, that kind of teaching goes both ways. So they're going to be relying on the young people to be teaching the current executives their way of communication as well. So networking is kind of a two, or I'm sorry, mentorship is a two-way street.
1: My guest today is Ian Epson, and he is, I didn't say before, you are the founder of New Milwaukee. Yep. Yep. Which um, we'll talk a little bit about later. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to introduce you to Lori Richards, who is the president of Miller Communications, and she right now has a whole workforce of the of the millennials, and has some really great thoughts to share with us. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellen Becker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker. Group. I have two guests today, Ian Absin, and he is the president of Millennium Consulting, LLC, and who is joining us now is Lori Richards, who is the president of Miller Communications. And Lori, I saw you when Ian was talking, just sitting there shaking your mm-hmm. head up and down, because you have a company, a communications company, that really employs Many of this, uh, many of these generational kids—I don't even say kids—that isn't, but employees who, um, I think, a lot of individuals look and say. They don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. So what have you learned and what can you add to what Ian has said? It's true. And and thank you for having me here today.
2: I'm I sort of find myself in an interesting position because I'm leading the the firm. We've got about twenty-five employees. We're small to mid-size, but myself as a leader, I'm I'm actually thirty-five days um into the generation X. So <laughs> I almost straddle the line myself between the uh, millennial generation and Gen X, I definitely identify more with probably some of the tenants and, and trades of, of Gen, a, mm-hmm. Gen X than millennials, but it's really helped me as a leader be open to some of the changes and some of the flexibility that I think you need to embrace to really have a strong millennial workforce. So we hear a lot from big corporations about preparing for the, the m- how to make yourself an attractive company for the millennial workforce. And if you're not taking those steps now in five years, in 10 years, if not right now already, you're going to be in trouble when it comes to hiring the the right workforce. And sometimes people are really negative about the millennial generation. You know, Ian kind of mentioned sometimes being references to being entitled or things like that. But I feel like if you take the time to try to understand what motivates each generation, right? So again, you know, I'm on the tail end of the Xers. I remember when people just talked about us like, Plaid wearing, Nirvana listening, you know, grunge kids. And and it was doomsday if you had to hire Xers, right? And I feel like there's some of that same mentality now about millennials. But I will tell you, I have some of the most talented, committed staff members that I've ever worked with in my almost 20 years now in the agency business. So I find it really refreshing. Again, I think you have to have an open mind. You have to be willing to adjust to what's important to them. And the loyalty that they'll have toward you,
1: in my experience, has been really tremendous. Well, and if you think about what um, Ian and I spoke about in the, in the last segment is there's 20 years and these these workers now are going to be running our companies. Mm-hmm. And what Ian was saying is that they look at things different, they're processing things different, they're doing business different. If we don't start to change or or to redefine our company, how will they step into those roles? Mm -hmm. And I know my daughter's a Gen X, and when she took over um, Ellen Becker um, Investment Group as a president, I I would always say to her, um, nobody wants anyone to change their baby's clothes, but Mm -hmm. you go ahead and get a new wardrobe. Mm -hmm. Because it was my baby. And yet giving her the flexibility to incorporate who she is into it and how she works. And she really does work differently than I did. Mm -hmm. And I did not want to stop that flow. But there's another generation coming behind her now. And How do businesses, how do they formulate a process to actually identify the needs and to start changing some of the services or ways they do business? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a challenge. Right. It sure is. And I think...
2: It's interesting because not only are we surrounded by millennials in the workforce, but many of us are raising millennials as well, or even the generation now following. And one of the hallmarks that we've found of a millennial workforce is these are young workers who oftentimes grew up with a different scale of patience than we did, right? They oftentimes had they didn't have to go to an encyclopedia for an answer to a question, right? Google is right there and always accessible. So one of the hallmarks of this generation is they're looking for feedback more frequently where you or I may have grown up where we got quarterly reviews or semi-annual reviews at our job. They want ways to have information and feedback almost instantaneously. Um, So mentoring relationships are much more important. Um, Ways to give them ownership of projects, even small projects, is much more important to this generation. This generation doesn't want to be stuck in a cubicle for a year or two years or five years earning their stripes. They want to make a difference and see how their efforts are impacting projects very early on if not almost immediately. So, I think it's important for employers to sit down and have conversations. We have real conversations with people even during the hiring process about what their expectations are up front, how they expect to see progress, how what they expect in terms of growth, career growth, benchmarking things like that. So, we can have real meaningful conversations moving forward, and we can try and meet their career growth projections. Now, sometimes we do have to tell people, hey, pump the brakes, you've only been here six <laughs> months, and it's going to take some time. But again, how do you build in those meaningful benchmarks for people so they feel like they're making progress and they feel like they're having an impact no matter what level they're at? Well, and
1: Ian, you had mentioned in that very first meeting that when you want to sit down, you want to have people around you there was no one there. And mm-hmm. you said, I want to go to a coffee shop or I want to be around people, number one, for the energy of it, mm-hmm. the purpose of the energy, but also the idea of connecting. And so on one hand, there's a lot of the computerization, but people are still connecting. And and one of the things that Lori said that you emphasized as well is you don't want to have to go through the, the same... Um, system of knowing someone and knowing someone you want to go right to the heart of the person that makes a decision mm-hmm. so you're going to bypass a lot of you know we say well I will bypass it for you and I don't want you to have to go through the same process I did but you even want to go further than that mm-hmm. and so I find that very unique because it takes a lot of courage and guts to want to meet the president of the company right away. Right, mm-hmm. but right. that I do see that as an option. Let me let me get rid of all this fluff. Yeah. and go right to the important decision makers.
0: Mm-hmm. You're, you're you're absolutely right to Lori's point. We're a very impatient generation. Um, you have access to all the world's knowledge at your thumb most days, and that is that will be. True of any generation after us, but faster. I mean, every generation is continuously the smartest generation. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we will, we will, I will be surpassed, surpassed by a 15 year old because the times I spent in the back of the car during the summer road trip, they're now watching shows and catching up and listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. And the immediacy is there. And we take that with us, not only to work, but in local government, et cetera, et cetera, and volunteerism. Um, so, what what you were referring what you were referring to is kind of um clubs. Mm-hmm. So we're we're talking Wisconsin Club, I'm a member of the Milwaukee Athletic Club, It said All these clubs that a lot of them have to redefine what it is that is their core business because what they had currently created was something my grandpa designed. Mm -hmm. Um, And those clubs just have held true onto those traditions and they're having a hard time onboarding your under 40 crowd because we value different things. Mm -hmm. So I don't want just the beautiful lobby with oil painting. I now want an interactive coffee shop where I can co-work and run into other members. Networking is not something that's done after 5 p.m. It should be done Throughout the workday, and companies have to start understanding that and build facilities and environments that aren't just locking their younger workers within a cube, but putting them in a collaborative workspace. Because we get we we get energy off of uh, connectivity, and the more that you can create that for the next generation of workers, um, the better off you'll be. Our, our office space we're currently at in the city center downtown, they were looking for more unique ways to find um, tenants. And they created uh, – they bought a pontoon boat and called it conference room number three. And they're the only conference room now on the <laughs> Milwaukee River, and the tenants love it. And it's rented a couple of times a day. And it's that unique social environment um, and a cool space that's bringing people together because right now our generation is accessible to work 24-7. Mm-hmm. I've got an intern who – emails at 2 a.m because that's her that's her flow time that's when she's most creative and I'm I'm great with that but I know managers at maybe a, a corporate law firm wouldn't look at that as the premier way that they want to have their employees communicating with them however I would look at that saying well that's what a great benefit my employees are willing to work around the clock if they're bought in if they see the big picture if I've taken the time as a manager, to onboard them properly. And as Lori said, like she's got some of the best employees she's ever had. They're committed, but that's probably because she's taken the time to to really paint the picture of Miller and what the big vision is of what they're trying to do. And young people have to feel like they've got a piece of the action. They've got a piece of the pie. And that's not always financial. There's other smaller rewards Mm -hmm. that make young people really tick.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And to just illustrate your point as well, one of my account executives tells the story that a number of years ago, she was interning at another firm in town. And she asked at the end of her three or six month internship if she could just get 30 minutes with the CEO to talk to this person and just have a chance to have exposure. And and the person who she was reporting to at the time kind of laughed and said, oh, no, we we don't do that here. So I think as leaders, we have to recognize that accessibility to us is something that's so important to millennials. And if you don't provide that, not only from a mentorship perspective, from a relationship perspective, but just you've got to even the playing field a bit if you really want to attract and retain millennials. You can't have this ivory tower kind of hierarchy within your companies. That at least has been my experience. So once you break that down, and don't get me wrong, it can be frustrating to have three hours of your day answering questions but if you truly want to have an open door policy you really need to put your money where your mouth is and be open to not only having those regular proactive interactions with people at every level on your team but being there and being open to answer their questions and mentor and lead because ultimately that's what attracts people to want to work for those companies from the millennial generation. When I
1: think of my clients today who are looking to retire Mm -hmm. And we had talked about how many people are turning seven and a half right now. It's 10,000 a day for the next eight years. They're looking at retiring and going away. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not sitting and thinking, I have all this information. What am I going to do with it? It's all stored in my head. And one of the reasons it's been hard for me to retire is I'm having fun because my clients are retiring. I want to be there. Yep. And I figure that I've never been smarter and know more about more things. I've never had more experience in different types of family situations. It's like, how can you walk away now? But yet so many people are walking away and they're taking all that information and there isn't a conduit right now to salvage and get them interfacing Mm -hmm. with the younger generation and I think that that would be so great if there was some sort of a format where people could just meet for coffee you know invite people to coffee and, and younger generation and on your pontoon boat type idea and have that feeling of the importance of all that information that you retain from all those years. And literally, like if you remember college experience, hold office hours, right? Where you're in a space, somewhere
2: Mm -hmm. fun and interactive, but people can come and ask you questions because as much, again, as the millennials get branded more of an electronic generation, it's been my experience that people want to come by, even if it's for five minutes, and ask you a question or talk to you, bounce something Mm -hmm. off you to try and get a creative, uh, team-oriented solution. So I agree. I think I think taking that, taking that approach to capturing the experience of of other generations is really something that could benefit on both sides.
1: So maybe that's our new project to start. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. It's, it's coming to really have a format for people to come together and be curious mm-hmm. and to be able to share some of that business information. Um, mm-hmm. With younger gen, but I think even in businesses, I look at my own company and I look at some of the co- companies in Milwaukee that have been around forever. To just have a time where it's an open forum for people just to come in and come in and talk would be fabulous. Or past past employees.
0: So that's the biggest trend we're seeing right yeah. now. So you've got your your sixty five and up retiring, but the but people still have 25 years of active, healthy life in front yes. of them, and they're not ready to just take up woodworking, right? right? So you're seeing a lot of um, old, older CEOs that are staying on as consultants, which are basically, I've got all this wisdom, and I'm here to share it with the next generation. Instead of just saying, hey, retire, here's your package and the door, how do you retain that wisdom? Because we have a lot of tech, and 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 knowledge of the workforce but what we don't have is 40 plus years in the healthcare industry and a variety of uh you know massive problems that have been worked through and understanding of relationships and um the hierarchy of decision making within these corporate operations and that is where the the generation that's currently retiring if they could just invest 10 hours a week to staying in within the company staying within the loop they're not expected to be on the, the, the new Slack or email chain, et cetera, et cetera, learn new technology. Their role is to now share the wisdom they've gotten with a lifetime of experience in healthcare or IT or marketing and share with the next generation. So hopefully the right companies are figuring that out.
1: Uh, my guest today is Ian Ebsen, and he is the president of Millidian Consulting. you got, got that. it. And also Laurie Richards, who is the president of Miller Communications. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about how we bring this together and what the impact of Milwaukee is and how is Milwaukee in the scope of other cities. And then we have a fourth um, segment that we've got a, a great thing we we'll would be talking about, and that is our bridge downtown. Mm-hmm. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My two guests today are Ian Epson, and he is the president of Millennium Consulting, and Lori Richard, who is the president of Miller Communications. And we've been talking about the millennial um, what would I workforce. And I, I'm sure that there are some people listening to the show and they'll say, boy, Karen, this one's a different one than normally what you do. It's supposed to be about money. But isn't one of the biggest costs that we have our workers mm-hmm. and not only hiring and getting the right worker but training the right worker and helping our businesses to grow and as i say we've got this little short window um to i think really get a great greater understanding so from the your two perspectives how does this make money sense i mean to our community and um to our workforce Well, I think one of the things
2: that we really need to think about as a community, and you hear these stories all the time, that people who are often born and raised in Milwaukee, they spend a number of years oftentimes moving away, exploring different cities. And those are key wealth-building years, right? So when you talk about how does it make sense from a money perspective – People in my situation often move back to Milwaukee. They're attracted. I've got two young kids. They're attracted to the quality of life amenities. They're attracted to the fact that you can buy a home for a reasonable amount of money here and have good schools, et cetera. But as Milwaukeeans, we're missing a key point in time with our millennial generation where we probably could be capturing more of that economic impact of the biggest generation since the boomers. So how do we, as a city, as a community, make things more attractive to that generation so we can kind of capture on the economics of that as well?
0: Yeah, exactly. We've got a kind of a brand problem here in Milwaukee. A lot of when you look at the talent pipeline where we're leaking, your twenty two year olds after they graduate from universities, they leave. Not just not, not just your average 3.0 student, but the best of the best. Our neck the next Harley-Davidson, founder is here. there are, there are companies inside the minds of today's youth that grew up in Milwaukee but they're not attracted to Milwaukee. It's not a vibrant enough culture. They go to Silicon Valley to start their business surround themselves with other people to find to, to co-found those businesses with. We always talk about we were the city of makers. We've got the next generation of makers here, but we're not providing them what they need here in Milwaukee yet. Um, to make sure they stay here. So, as far as uh, as as making money sense, when you look at the lifetime tax paying uh, amount a citizen will pay, um, it's it's millions of dollars lifetime per person. Now you add a family, a wife, a husband, children, offspring. It is so important that we capture people at a young age and make Milwaukee a vibrant place for people in their twenties. Because let's face it, when you're over thirty, it's really hard to move. When you're over 30, you've got connections and a network and a house and a mortgage payment and a, and a job and a community that you are plugged into. And it's really hard at, at above the age of 30. When you look at the numbers, it is 29.5. When you go above that, it's really hard to move elsewhere. So we have to do a better job in Milwaukee of capturing the hearts and minds of a vibrant community for your 20-somethings to keep them here.
2: Now, um, sorry, one more thing to add to that. Now, we, we do a fair amount of corporate and corporate public relations work in Milwaukee, but we also work with a lot of nonprofits and a lot of foundations. And from our clients' perspective, we see a lot of them asking a couple of questions. One is – Again, how do I r- attract and retain the best millennial workers? But the second on the foundation side, which is so interesting, is how do we cultivate the next generation of donors, right? We have a lot of legacy giving in Milwaukee. We have a lot of old family wealth from sort of the namesake families, right, like the Allen Bradleys and the Hays and other families. But how do we cultivate that next generation of donor so we can continue to have the as generous of a city as we do. A lot of our arts community is built on philanthropic don- mm-hmm. donations. So how do we keep that going as well? That's something I think our community is continuing to grapple with.
1: And Ian, how do you help businesses?
0: Sure, in a variety of ways. So um, I kind of act as that conduit between um, what today's CEOs saying and what the next generation is hearing um so i go in and i'll I'll work with them on uh basically what does your corporate culture feel like what is the onboarding process here's what's really interesting to me and if i can tell any corporation anything it's it's this you spend seven thousand dollars on attracting a baseline employee seven thousand dollars to get them in the door get them hired and get them at your desk after they get them there what is your retention budget When you ask someone what their retention budget is, they generally stare at you blankly. You have to spend time to make sure your employee is onboarded correctly, and that's what I make sure we do, explaining what is the big picture, why are we actually here. People will make up their minds within one month. Or less, but one month if they are going to stay with you as an employee long term or not. And you have to put a ton of effort into that first month for that experience for your next generation of employees. So, really, what is your, what is your retention budget after you get them in the door? How are you going to keep them? Because it costs um, seven times more to retain, mm-hmm. to find a new employee than it does to retain a current one. Sprint. AT&T, they've got this figured out. When you call and complain about your cell phone bill, they'll adjust it, knock 40 bucks off because they want to keep you because they know MoneySense is... It's cheaper to keep you as a happy current customer than it is to get you to switch carriers and mm-hmm. go to the next cable person or the next customer. Employees have to start thinking – or employers have to start thinking that way as well.
1: How does someone uh, – best way to get in touch with you and to learn more about your
0: company? Oh, great. So my email is ian.mke or I can be found uh, – my website is abstinian.com. Um, it's got some of the talks we've done, some of the services we provide, uh, and you can find us there.
2: And you can find my company. It's a little deceiving being here in Milwaukee, the home of Miller Beer, but our firm is Miller Communications, M-U-E-L-L-E-R, communications.com. Mueller. Mueller. (laughs) Mueller. And
1: we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Ian Abson, who is the president of Mill- Millennium Consulting, and Lori Richards, who is the president of Miller Communications. And let's just talk about what's happening in Milwaukee because there's some very exciting things going on.
0: Thanks for the tee up. So as everybody is well aware, there's this little thing called Summerfest happening in the lakefront. Uh, next time you're sitting at a concert, look just to your south, look towards Chicago. You see this big, beautiful, freshly painted Hone Bridge. And right now we're part of a grassroots effort of People, citizens of Milwaukee, working to highlight the Hone Bridge. So if you look nationally and internationally, major metro, major metropolises are lighting up their city at night. They understand what it do, does to the vibrancy, the pulse of the region. And we're sitting here with this beautifully architected bridge that everybody knows as the Hone Bridge. It's the 794 Interstate is what you see on Milwaukee postcards from the lakefront. Uh, It's what you see anytime you're uh, at Summerfest. And we have a really tremendous opportunity right now to make that bridge not only a daytime um, monument, but also a nighttime monument as well. So we are working uh, with several young organizations in the city to bring lights onto this home bridge. Why lights, you might ask? Imagine... Today's modern technology of Phillips lights um, lighting up the bridge, they can dance to music, they can be any color, Packer touchdowns, it's green, Bucks games, we've got a brand new $500 million stadium being built. Imagine when ESPN is doing the cover roll of our city at night. Not only is it the new beautiful stadium in Northwestern Mutual Towers, but also a bridge blinking in Bucks cream and green uh, to really show ESPN and tell the world we're a modern day city. So Lori wants to jump in talk about a little about the 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 fundraising effort.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So there's it makes a tremendous sense from an economic perspective. I think there are restaurants and and hospitality venues in other cities that can tell you about how they've had. Tremendous success filling up their patios, getting reservations during those dusk hours when the lights, bridge lights are on. But we thought we'd take it a step further here in Milwaukee and we'd add in a community component. So, what we've also done is um, to benefit the the, or strengthen the fundraising campaign around, again, the public grassroots effort to raise money to buy the bulbs, to light the bridge. it's like the, sort of like the house that Jack built, right? I read that book. What we've done here in Milwaukee is um, an effort to dedicate a bulb to a person, a place, a thing, someone you love that tells the story of Milwaukee. So oftentimes in my line of business, sometimes we hear from community groups or other organizations that are doing great things but maybe flying under the radar that the media doesn't really know who they are or they're the best-kept secret in Milwaukee. And this is an opportunity for a very nominal fee, again, 25 bucks, 50 bucks for a dedication with a photo, or we're willing to take more if you've got more available, <laughs> um, to tell your story. So every light that you see up on the bridge will not only be – You know, there in in its physical presence, but also symbolic of a person who's doing something great in their neighborhoods, or an organization that has made a difference in people's lives in Milwaukee. So, all of these dedications are collected at lightthehone.com. You can go there now and read. We've we've got over four hundred dedications in the first month since we've launched people that have dedicated a bulb to their brother, their dog. We had a school principal that bought a bulb for every kid in the graduating class this year of his school. So a lot of really heartwarming, um, heartfelt dedications that are telling us more about what's going on in this great city. So we thought it would be a really cool and unique way to pair both sort of the physicality of the lighting with the bridge uh, with the – The
1: the great uh, intangible moments that are are going on every day in Milwaukee. Sometimes people just don't have a place to put those moments Mm -hmm. down. Mm -hmm. So it's a beautiful place to record it but Ian you had talked about there's several corporations that are looking at giving them to their employees Mm -hmm. I know we're looking at doing something like that and our clients to just be able to say one of those bulbs is me Mm -hmm. absolutely and I've contributed to the community so I think you've come up with it's in a way it's so much better than a brick Mm -hmm. I mean so many I walk around and I don't know where my bricks are anymore (laughs) but this is you know for me I hope that I light up people's lives. Yeah. I mean, and when I see God in my life, I see him as a, as, as a bright light. And so for me, it just fits so beautiful to kind of look up there and see that bright light. And I think it really fits for a lot of people who maybe don't know what to give their grandkids for Christmas, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or they don't know what to give. I'm thinking for my mom and she's going to be 90. And to be able to say, we have family lights up there, you'll, you know, to always be remembered. I Mm -hmm. mean, Mm-hmm. there are just so many beautiful ways that people can take this opportunity and make it really special for their own family, for their own. I mean, you're getting married, Ian. I mean, you could have a bulb up there, right?
0: No, yeah, we're going to have f- 10 bulbs up there. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to punt on presents and just have everybody buy a bulb. And but we think sur- of that we- as, absolutely. As, as
1: a gift. I mean- we're seeing
0: surges on Mother's Day, Father's mm-hmm. Day, Fourth of July, Memorial Day. People just, what do you get? golf clubs and a socks for dad again? No, get him yes. a light on the bridge that will be forever remembered and birthdays, et cetera. So it really goes the gamut uh, on, on on presence and it continues to reinvent itself.
2: Well, and again, when we talk about legacy and we talk about millennials, the price point is... There are, you know, we all hope that we're working towards some, sign, some sort of legacy yes. in our lives, right? But again, millennials don't want to wait. They don't want to wait until they're 65 years old or 70 years old to feel what kind of legacy they, they are leaving in their city. So this is something that everyone can do now. It's a way yes. to make your mark no matter what your age or where you grew up or what, you know, what neighborhood you live in. And that's one of the things
1: that we love about it. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's a conversation starter. Mm-hmm. I know that a lot of times grandparents or parents will say, I can't get my kids to even talk to me. But to be able to, to open a conversation say, we're buying a light, our family light, every time you go by the bridge and say, we have our light up there. I mean, there's so many ways to connect. And I think people are really looking for ways to connect with other people, and as you say, to have a legacy. And Mm -hmm. he's telling me that the time is up. This has been so much fun. That was fast. (laughs) My two guests are Ian Epson, and he is the president of Millennium Consulting.
0: And you can reach him at... Abstinentian dot com, or you can check us out at lightthehone.com. dot com. Perfect.
1: And Lori Richards, who's the president of Miller Communications, who really um, works very hard in our community and with individuals to um, help them have a presence, and mm-hmm. they can reach you as well, Lori, at www Miller Communications spelled M U E L L E R Communications dot
2: com. Thank Mueller. you. Mueller.
1: Mueller. <laughs> And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and your financial well-being. And remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a really great weekend. Bye.